scripture reading as we continue our study through the Gospel of John is from chapter 17, and we'll read verses 24 to 26. Would you please stand for the reading of God's holy word? John 17, 24. Father, I desire that they also, whom you've given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have spoken to us. We thank you that you have given us your son. And we pray that as we look to your word, that we would see him high and lifted up, and that his sheep would hear his voice and follow the good shepherd. We pray that you would meet each of us where we are and tell us exactly what we need to hear. Whether a word of comfort and encouragement, challenge, conviction, even conversion. Lord, tell us what we need to hear. As only you know and as only you can, in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' honor and glory. Amen. Be seated, please. Where Jesus is, tis heaven there. I felt that these last three concluding verses of John 17 are so significant that they should get their own message. Jesus has prayed for his people, his disciples who were with him there that night and for all his people through all time and all over the world who would come to believe through the gospel they would take into all the world. And here in this, the last request of this great prayer, Jesus prays for his people, all his people, including us, to be with him where he is. The title of this message is the first line of an old hymn that I think perfectly states the idea, and any of you were around and used to watch the Billy Graham Crusades back in the 1960s and 70s, you'll remember the great actress and singer Ethel Waters used to sing this at the, the Crusades, where Jesus is, tis heaven there. That's exactly what Jesus is praying and what this passage is teaching us. Now, let's look at it. And there's just two points today. And the first is going to heaven. Going to heaven. Look at verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. There are three things 
I want to draw out of this verse. The first here, in this first part of verse 24, is the essence of heaven. Jesus is praying for His people to go to heaven, to be with Him. Let not your heart be troubled. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's the essence of heaven, being with Jesus. The Apostle Paul, you remember, was in prison or under house arrest, but chained and he felt certain that he would go free because the Lord still had work for him to do on earth in the flesh, but he said he would be glad to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Every true child of the king wants to be with Jesus. And you don't have to have a sick, morbid fascination with death to want to be with Jesus. Paul said it is far better to be with Jesus, but he still has work for me down here. A Christian can be eager to be with Jesus without being eager to die. But a true Christian believer wants to be with Jesus above all other things. It makes logical sense why Jesus would conclude his prayer with his request for us to be with him. That's why what everything else is driving toward. Everything else Jesus has prayed for us in John 17, our protection, our sanctification, our holiness, our unity is all ultimately so that we can be with Him. All that Jesus did, His incarnation, taking our flesh on Himself, humbling Himself and becoming obedient to the death of the cross, His resurrection, and ascension, and His glory. It's all ultimately so that we can be with Him. The author of Hebrews says that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before Him. The joy of having His people with Him. When sin entered the world through the one man, Adam, it put a separation between God and man. Man was banished from the happy presence of God, and so death came to man in his estrangement from God due to his sin. And Jesus says in this chapter, John 17 and verse 3, you remember? And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. 
through the work of Jesus Christ, we are brought back into the fellowship and knowledge of God that was lost through sin. And we are restored into relationship with Him and to be restored into fellowship with God is to have eternal life. And the final supreme glorious consummation is when we shall finally be in His presence forever. That's the essence of heaven. All the other ideas we may have about heaven. People want to know, will I have my dog in heaven or can I go fishing in heaven? Folks, we will be with Jesus. And that's all that matters. Bishop Pryor said, we know little of heaven now. Our thoughts are all confounded when we try to form an idea of a future state in which pardoned sinners shall be perfectly happy, but we may rest ourselves on the blessed thought that after death we shall be with Christ. True Christians shall be with Christ. We need no more information where that blessed person is who was born for us and died for us and rose again where he is. There can be no lack of anything. Another thing, I look forward to seeing a lot of people that I miss. Only child raised by my Grandparents, three of them passed away. Most of the people I knew growing up, gone. I used to hear old people say they had more friends in heaven than they did on earth. I felt that way before I was 30 years old. But hear the words of the great hymn writer, Fanny J. Crosby. Oh, the dear ones in glory how they beckon me to come and our parting at the river I recall. To the sweet vales of Eden they will sing my welcome home, but I long to meet my Savior first of all. No preacher story. I expect most of you have heard it. Better preachers can tell it better than I can. But in the old days, as the story is told, there was this old country doctor who used to make house calls. And he took his dog with him as he went from house to house treating his patients. And would always tell his dog to sit on the porch. Had a very well-trained and obedient dog. One evening he had gone to call on a patient and he had bad news for the patient. He told him there was nothing more that he could do. It was only a matter of time. But he told his patient not to worry. He knew Jesus. And to know Jesus is to have eternal life. 
and his patient said something like, well, doctor, what do you reckon it'd be like to die? And as he was saying that, the dog waiting on the porch got perturbed about something and began to bark. And the doctor said, well, I don't. And he had said no more than that. And his dog ceased to bark. And the doctor said, that's, that's what it would be like. He said, what do you mean? He said, you heard my dog. He was barking. He was upset. But when he heard my voice, it was all right. And he said, I don't know what it would be like to die. But I know that to die is to be with Jesus. And his sheep will hear his voice on the other side. And it'll be all right. That's the essence of heaven. To be with Jesus. And next, this verse shows us the glory we shall see. Look at verse 24 again. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Jesus wants us to be with him so that we may see his glory, specifically the glory the Father gave him because he loved him from before the foundation of the world. Now there are different interpretations of this glory, but I think the old Welsh preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones was correct to say that this glory is the glory that the Father would bestow upon his incarnate Son. John reminds us that Jesus was glorified in the shame of the cross. And his human nature was further glorified in his resurrection and ascension and enthronement as the Son of God in power at the right hand of God. Paul says that because Jesus took on the form of a servant in human nature and went to the cross, that God highly exalted him. And I agree here with Dr. Lloyd-Jones that this is what Jesus is asking for us to see here because you see he says he wants us to see the glory that you have given me. In his eternal divine nature, Jesus is fully God, equal with the Father in power and glory. He is inherently glorious. But here we read of a glory that the Father bestows upon him. Jesus wants us to see his glorified human flesh on the throne. And it's not because he's some narcissist who craves attention. The author of Hebrews says 
that when Jesus had made an end of our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That's what Jesus wants us to see. When we see him seated on the right hand of God, we shall see that our sins are gone, never to be remembered against us anymore. I'm doing a lot of quoting today. It's bad form. I was taught in seminary only to quote if I couldn't say it any better. But I don't reckon I can say it any better than these quotes. But the old hymn says, Crown him the Lord of love. Behold his hands inside Rich wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified. No angel in the sky can fully bear that sight, but downward bends his burning eye at mysteries so bright. We will see his wounds for us in beauty glorified. And we will know that he has made an end of our sin. And then also when we see him in his glory, we shall be changed. Later on the same John will write, We know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Again, this is referring to his glorified humanity. We will be made like him when we see him. We will be made perfect sinless and incorruptible. So we see the essence of heaven, the glory we shall see. And then we see Jesus' will for us to be with him. You notice in verse 24 here in the ESV Bible, which I'm using, it says, I desire also whom... You have given me, be with me where I am. He wants us to be with him, but I like the old authorized Bible better. It says, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am. Jesus wills for us to be with him. He wants us to be with Him. I've been preaching about how we should want to be with Him, but here's the amazing thing. He wants us to be with Him. People we don't want to be around. I'm not talking about bigotry or prejudice against a group of people. I mean, there are just annoying people in this world. People you don't jihad with. That's just life. But Jesus actually wants every single one of his people to be with him. And this is our comfort in death that Jesus will for his people to be with him. Spurgeon, a great Baptist preacher in London in the middle of the 1800s, I'll go quoting again, painted a picture in his devotional book, Morning and Evening, for the evening of March 
22nd. He said, every time a believer mounts from this earth to paradise, it is an answer to Jesus' prayer. So the good old divine remarks, many times Jesus and his people pull against one another in prayer. You bend your knee in prayer and say, Father, I will that thy saints be with me where I am. Christ says, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. Thus, the disciple is at cross purposes with his Lord. The soul cannot be in both places. The beloved one cannot be with Christ and with you too. Now which pleader shall win the day? If you had your choice, if the king should step from his throne and say, here are two people praying in opposition to one another, which shall be answered? Oh, I am sure, though it were agony, you would start from your feet and say, Jesus, not my will, but thine be done. You would give up your prayer for your loved one's life if you could realize the thoughts that Christ is praying in the opposite direction. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. Lord, thou shalt have them. By faith we let them go. So you look at this passage and you see going to heaven. And secondly and finally, you see heaven coming. To us. Look at verse 25. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. You see, these people who will know him forever in the presence of his glory have already come to know him here below. They are different from the world. The world does not know the Father nor the Son. But the people who belong to the Son, the people whom the Father has given to the Son, they know the Father. And they know that the Son has come from the Father. And the Son has made the Father known to them. Now let me ask you just a straight, plain question. Are you going to heaven? Are you sure of it? A true believer can have absolute assurance. You can have Absolute certainty in the matter. Do 
you know that you are going to heaven. This passage shows us that there is a requirement for going to heaven. And it is this. Heaven must get into you before you can get in to heaven. Something had gotten in to these people here on earth. They had come to know the Father and that He had sent the Son. Now look at verse 3 again. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's eternal life. It will come to fulfillment in heaven. But verse 25 shows us that this eternal life, knowing God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent, has already begun in the lives of his people here below. Now look at the end of verse 26. That the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Two things are already in the believer here on earth. The Father's love for the Son is already in the believer. And the Son himself is already in the believer. It defies human understanding or explanation. But the Father's love for the Son and the Son Himself are in us. Before there ever was a heaven, there was always God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And there was perfect joy and love shared between the Father and Son in the bond of the Holy Spirit. Before there were mansions of gold, and streets of gold, or angels, there was the true, blessed, holy trinity. And before there was heaven, there was love. And this divine love, the Father's love for His Son, is in His people. This is why the Christian wants to be with Jesus more than anyone else because he loves Jesus more than anyone else. And that's because the Father's own love for his only begotten Son is already in you. It was said of the great old Puritan divine Richard Sibbs, 
of this blessed man. Let this just praise be given. Heaven was in him before he was in heaven. I asked you, are you going to heaven? Let me ask it a bit differently. Is heaven in you now? That old hymn says once Heaven seemed a far off place till Jesus showed his smiling face. Now it's begun within my soul. Twill last while endless ages roll. Where Jesus is, tis heaven there. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.